This is the Wide Awake Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsten Kazarian. As a child psychologist, I believe the most important part of the work I do is supporting parents by helping them deeply attune to their child and find their own balance of connection, nourishment, and inspiration. To do this, I lean on the practice of mindfulness. Join me in a conversation about raising our kids, raising our consciousness, and trying to stay awake. Welcome to episode 10. Today, we're going to explore whether or not we have to meditate in order to practice mindfulness. You guys have already been responsive to this question on social media, and I've heard clear thoughts from multiple perspectives. It highlights one of my favorite things about this budding community. It's diverse. Someone standing in their kitchen right now saying, Give me a break, lady. I can follow you down the mindful parenting path far enough, but when do you think I'll have the time or privacy in my day to meditate? And another listener may be sitting in their car thinking, what's she talking about? How can you possibly practice mindfulness without meditation? Who is steering this ship? And I promise I have a plan for this episode. In this show, we'll examine what the experts in the mindfulness field say about meditation, how the evidence-based mindfulness programs handle this, and we'll look at the benefits of meditation specifically for parenting. I hope that being present with this today helps us to be clear with ourselves as to why we do or don't practice meditation, how this may affect our mindfulness practice, and whether or not this currently serves us. For those of you that cannot comprehend your mindfulness practice without meditation, I see it all the time in my work introducing families to mindfulness techniques. Parents, teens, and little kids dipping their toes into this process, but not quite ready to sit on a pillow with their eyes closed every day. And I get that. I'll admit it. It took me a couple years of working with mindfulness professionally to get it through my head that I should probably practice meditation regularly. I really took my sweet time getting around to it. Now I look forward to this part of my day. I share this to acknowledge that everyone's on their own journey with this. As we put the show together, I realized that having a child put a fire under me to start taking my mindfulness practice more seriously, approaching it with the same dedication I approach the other things in my life I value. I think it's made me a better teacher and therapist. It definitely helps me fight my parenting brain fog, and it helps to keep my family tuned to calm. This was a huge personal goal for me as a mom. More than what my baby ate or how my baby was diapered, I wanted my baby to be connected to calm. I wanted calm to be this little brain's standard mode of operating. I knew this baby was going to read their neurological signals from me, so I might as well focus on being calm versus putting a bunch of energy into faking it, which sometimes I have to do. But most of the time, I am able to find it. Most of the time, I can find my calm. And meditation helps me do this efficiently, quickly, consistently. I intentionally don't share much about my personal parenting because I want this time to be about your thoughts on your parenting. I did share this today to highlight that I have done it both ways. And I've had successes both ways. 
but I set a specific goal and meditation made it easier for me to reach that goal. So take a moment and think about some parenting goals you have right now. Are you behind on them? Are you nailing them? Are you trying to be mindful in your thoughts and actions, but sometimes it feels like a lot of work, twisting your tongue to say the right thing? Think about a goal you would want to feel more ease in reaching. Hang on to this thought as we go through the episode. By the end of the show, you'll probably have your own gut feeling as to whether or not you want to incorporate meditation as a support for your mindfulness practice. So what do the experts say? To figure this out, I looked at evidence-based mindfulness programs. Some are clinical, meaning they support individuals with health issues, and some are educational, meaning they offer information to encourage wellness and quality of life, but are not viewed as a form of treatment. When we hear about the benefits of mindfulness, these are the programs that are being conducted using a group of participants. It's really important to understand what is being implemented in these programs in order to replicate all these cool benefits we keep hearing about and want for ourselves. If you heard that a green smoothie could fight every ailment, you would want to know what the ingredients were, right? Are we talking kale, avocado? What's in there? First, we'll look at mindfulness-based stress reduction. It's a program developed by John Kabat-Zinn and continues to be researched and validated at the University of Massachusetts. Mindful meditation and mindful hatha yoga are the core tools used in this program. This is one of the most respected mindfulness programs in the medical community. As a complementary treatment method to medical and psychological care, it's proven to be effective in helping to treat the following conditions, anxiety, panic attacks, gastrointestinal distress, work, family, financial stress, grief, asthma, headaches, cancer, heart disease, chronic illness, high blood pressure, depression, pain, eating disturbances, post-traumatic stress, fatigue, skin disorders, fibromyalgia, and sleep problems. This is the one of the most used and validated programs, and it uses two forms of meditation, sitting meditation and yoga. The next program is the Mindfulness-Based Cognitive Therapy, which was developed by Zindel Williams, Mark Siegel, and John Teasdale, and it's based on the previous program, MBSR. Research and validation of this mindfulness program continues to be done at the University of Oxford. And this is what the program website says about the role of meditation in mindfulness practice. Mindfulness is traditionally cultivated by the practice of meditation, in which people learn to pay attention in each moment with full intentionality and with friendly interest. Meditation is not about clearing the mind, but rather coming to see the mind's patterns. Daily meditation practice allows people to see the way in which certain patterns of mind lead to escalation of emotions, despite our best efforts to control them. It also allows us to see more clearly what sorts of actions lead to more wholesome outcomes in everyday life. When people practice mindfulness meditation for any length of time, a number of qualities of their experience change. People say they feel more aware or awake, feel calmer, and are more able to see clearly and gain freedom from their own emotional patterns and habits. They feel freer to be more compassionate to themselves and to others. The early research trials conducted by John Kabat-Zinn and his colleagues have shown that this approach could be highly effective for patients who suffer long-term physical health conditions that have been destroying their quality of life. Next is MAPS for ADHD. 
And you guys, there are more than just the programs I'm mentioning, but I chose programs that are associated with active research and well-respected educational institutions. So MAPS for ADHD is a program at UCLA based off of the work of Dr. Lydia Zywalska. She's an expert in ADHD and she's a co-founding member of UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center, where she continues to serve as a clinical professor. In her program, she includes meditation exercises such as mindful breathing, sound, breath, and body, body scans, mindful walking, and there's more, but you get the gist that meditation is a component. So the last one I'm going to look at is Inner Kids. It's an amazing mindfulness resource for parents created by Susan Greenland. She's written books, and one of my favorite things of hers is her Mindfulness Games activity cards. On her website, which I'll link as a resource to our show notes, she describes the program as educational for children and parents. If you're wondering how to implement more mindfulness activities into your child's everyday life, this is a good jumping off point. She includes meditation as an important piece of her program. However, it looks different than the adult programs as it's meant for children. What I mean by this is that development is considered. A small child has a different capacity for what we think of as meditation than we do, but we can still teach them about meditation in a way that allows them to gain the same benefits we're seeking. So here's what Susan Greenland says about how she conceptualizes mindfulness. It's a stance of attention where we notice where our mind is and our state of mind in real time, keeping our mind on a chosen object and not getting lost in distraction is the function of mindful attention. When we're mindful, we have a heightened awareness of the mind's processes, what we see, hear, taste, smell, feel, think, or intuit, and notice our current state of mind. So this is what our podcast is all about, using these mindfulness skills to improve our parenting and our relationship with our child by being focused and clear or more intentional with our goals and our actions and are aware of what is our emotional stuff that needs caring for and what is our child's emotional stuff that needs caring for. That piece right there is the best tool we can model for our child for them to have emotional regulation and in plain terms, a good relationship with themselves and a good relationship with others. So the cool thing about meditation is that it's been studied quite a bit. So we have a great deal of information about what's going on in our body, specifically our brains when practicing meditation. Research has shown that positive emotions are correlated with left to right ratio of activity in the prefrontal cortex. Um, So meaning more left than right activity. And research on Buddhist monks, I don't know if you guys remember this National Geographic cover where they had the monk wearing a cap with sensors and there were wires coming out. That was from this first study where it was discovered that these monks who meditated all the time every day, they have higher left to right ratio in their prefrontal cortex. And so researchers started replicating this, which is what we tried to do with all research, replicate our findings to prove, hey, this, is a, this isn't a fluke, we're finding this, that yes, the brain can be changed by medita- meditation. Cortical thickening correlated with practice. In this case, emotional intelligence, attention, and compassion were also correlated. Attention and compassion sound like very, very useful parenting tools, as well as emotional intelligence. 
I'm going to link a video to our show notes where Dr. Shauna Shapiro, the author of our parenting book we love for January, talks about the practice of meditation creating worn roads in our brain, referring to our neural pathways. This is a way to think about any habit formation. Will this practice support your mindful or conscious parenting by making it come more naturally, making it more of a habit? Yes. Using her metaphor, the practice of meditation helps your brain and body know what calm and focused feel like, making it an easier landing pad throughout the day. I don't want to underestimate how important this is. Think about how we learned what a respectful relationship feels like or what it doesn't feel like. We had some experiences with others that formed this and helped us to know in our interactions, this feels good or safe or respectful. This is one of the benefits of meditation, especially if you find yourself worrying, irritated, depressed, or anxious. You may move through your days forgetting what exactly calm and confident or peaceful and optimistic feel like. As with most things, the more you practice them, the better you get at them, and the more effortless it becomes to land here. I want all parents to feel calm, confident, peaceful, and optimistic. If they did, we would have a bunch of calm, confident, peaceful, and optimistic kids and a bunch of parents present enough to enjoy their time with them. If you currently are not meditating, I hope this piques your interest. However, if you have a practice that works for you right now, makes you feel good about your parenting, and is nourishing, then please do not be discouraged by this information or allow it to minimize your success. There are many paths to getting where we want to go. If you want to meditate but aren't sure where to start, I'm going to share with you a few suggestions. Many meditation programs suggest that participants practice formal meditation, the the on-the-cushion practice, anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes a day, five to seven days a week. And this makes sense because published research tends to show that participants who report the greatest amount of meditation practice are the ones who show the greatest gains. I think this is a great goal, but probably not a starting point. For one thing, it takes practice to meditate. It can feel frustrating at first to sit still, to relax our body, to keep coming back to our meditation and relinquishing our worry thoughts, our list-making thoughts, etc. I recommend starting with five minutes a day just to get comfortable with the process and begin to carve out time for yourself. If you can create a space where you do this every day, excellent. If you cannot, but are okay being flexible with this, good. Don't let it stop you. There are many ways to meditate. Three of the main styles are yoga, breathing focused, and body scan. An article from The Greater Good at UC Berkeley breaks these down and is a nice read to think about which one might be best for you. And so I'm going to link that to our show notes. Helps you consider what are your health and wellness goals? What intentions have you set? What expectations do you have for meditation? If you've never meditated before, I would start off with guided meditations, and they're everywhere. There are so many apps that offer these now. I use Insight Timer, but there are many to choose from. UCLA Online offers free guided meditation recordings, and I use these as well in my work with clients. I'm linking these to the show notes, which you can find by going to wideawakeparenting.com, clicking on show notes, and selecting episode 10. Like parenting other relationships, and self-care, meditation is deeply personal. So experiment with the recordings. Find which ones feel best. Find where you want to sit. Where does that feel best? 
I prefer the mornings and to be outside, but I adjust during the cold weather. I have my own daily meditation that's a culmination of my favorite recordings I mix together by memory now. Afterwards, I set my intentions for the day. If you're interested in learning more about intention setting, check out episode 7. The most important thing is to be patient with yourself. Allow yourself to incorporate a new activity, in this case meditation, in a way that feels nourishing and not draining. This may mean starting really small. If you don't like a meditation, try a different one and accept that your new routine may may take some time for you to discover and it will change as your needs and environment change. I love hearing all the creative ways parents fit meditation into their schedule. Please feel free to share your tips with us at wideawakeparenting.com or any of our social media links because they're so inspiring and could really help a parent that's brand new to this. I try to meditate daily and have gotten to a point in my practice where I would adore the luxury of a 20 to 30 minute meditation session that's recommended. My sessions are usually ended for me with a child or an animal in my lap, but accepting that for now my meditation practice will look a little different every day has really helped me to not get hung up on the details that could derail meditation being part of my daily routine at all. With that said, I feel the difference between my days I meditate and the days that I do not. Thanks for going inward with me in this episode, thinking deeply about your mindfulness practice and goals. Next week, we're going to chat with the creator of Calm, Christine O'Brien. She follows the tenets of simplicity parenting along with Marie Kondo's mindful approach to decluttering. So for those of you that need to be physically grounded before you can focus on anything else, this may be your mindfulness entrance point. If you've been trying to connect to mindfulness, but haven't quite made full contact in a way that makes sense to you, definitely tune in. Some of us are deeply attuned to our sensory and physical space, and we'll be discussing that and more next week. So that is our episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Dr. Kirsten Kazarian, and until we meet again, be gentle with yourself, courageous on your path, and let's help each other try to stay awake.